0: Welcome welcome welcome. This is a little uh a little bonus podcast for you lovely people. Um it's un unnumbered because I'm it's I'm sneaking out as a secret. But basically, I mean this might sound like it's an advert and it kind of is. I've been really pleased with how things have gone with the exclusive content I've been recording for Patreon. So I wanted as it's been going a few months, I wanted to give you guys a little um Peep behind the curtain, essentially. So the two things we do over at Patreon is the first Monday of the month is Poem of the Month, and the third Monday of the month is Distraction Pieces a Rewind. So I thought I'd give you the ones of them from f- February to have a listen to here and see if you think it's worth a dollar a month. As said, it's, it's a tiny amount. The hope is that you, you s- sign up. You can pay more, but the minimum is a dollar a month. If you see more v- value, you're welcome to to chuck more in but the thought is you sign up and then you'll forget about that money coming out of your account it's not it's such a small amount it's not gonna have an impact i wouldn't want you to be putting yourself in any financial risk (laughs) for patreon so that's why i made it a dollar a month as said you can pay more um and i also post i post preview photos there from every every issue or every, every, every time I record a podcast, sorry. I do Q&As on there every now and then, all sorts of good fun stuff. So um, yeah, patreon.com slash Pip is where you can do all that. But I'll do this in two parts. I'll, I'll introduce the poem of the month first. Um, and I won't introduce it too much because w- within the poem of the month, I introduce it. So I didn't want to edit any of that out. I wanted to just g- give you this for free to let you know i'm only doing this once by the way i'm not going to be sneaking them out free every every month or whatever i just thought as we're now in what we in april um yeah i thought i'd give you february's audio content and see if you fancy a bit more so this is the first of the uh patreon poem of the month Hello, Um, this is my poem of the month on Patreon. What I'm doing with this, I don't know if I'd I'd explain it every time, but what I'm doing is I'm going through old hard drives and finding just poems of mine. Some of them, I'm sure I'll get to ones that turned into either pieces that you might know or are stuff that ended up on albums. But in general, I'm going to go through and see what I can find and just just read it out. And I've just opened it up before I started recording this first one. And it's weird because the first one is from 2005. I don't really have any great memory of writing it. Um, There's two here that I don't particularly remember writing. So I'm going to start with this one. This is so far the oldest One I found on this hard drive. It doesn't mean it's the first piece I wrote. I'm sure I wrote other pieces. Yeah, it's just... But the information I'll give you is... Because you can get the information of the document. So this was created Sunday the 24th of July 2005 um, at 3.43, apparently. And it's called the pretty pretentious name... Of the revolution will not be categorised. Obviously, I was a Gil, Gil Scott Heron fan from the start. Um, this, again, a poly- these might not be the best performances. I don't remember writing this. so I don't remember how it's meant to be written or where. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I'm here. But I ain't here to steal the show. Just here to tell a tale that happened many years ago. I stepped out into this weird world rhyming with no preconceived ideas of what I'd be finding armed with just my mind etiquette and good timing just getting on while my mind and my heart were aligning walking slowly through scene after scene just observing making no judgments, just observing and learning I went from towns to deserts with words replaced by a look Exploring each new character like a Kerouac book. Walking alone in the world in which I felt somewhat misplaced. With very little more than just a suit in my case. I found a point where the roads ended and turned into sand. Put my suitcase on the floor and slowly unclasped my hand and then I stopped. In response to the voices in my head. I spoke with intent to the empty space ahead. You think actions speak louder than words, then listen close, as these words quietly devour you like i Pac-Man and your ghosts. I took a metre ruler out, in the right hand of my outstretched arm and held, it up to the horizon to show the edges curving. The simplest of methods to demonstrate the earth isn't flat, it's round. This ball of mud had mankind fooled for years before they even questioned it. I stared at the horizon with squinted eyes and could see the point where the skyline mixed with the ether. I looked down and saw an object I'd never seen before, with six equal sides ahead of me on the floor. As I approached it, I realized something wicked and twisted. We'd lived so far outside the box we never knew it existed. And that's that. That's not that bad. It's pretty pretentious. Um, I like that. So you'll be hearing this. I'm recording this at the end of the year, but you'll be hearing this in 2019. So 14 years ago, I um, was dispelling f- Flat Earthers before they'd become a thing again. So that's good. Um, that basic I kind of half remember that's all, ju- that was just all about the, Coming up with a, a whole story around the idea of thinking so far outside the box we didn't know it existed. So I've written this whole journey into a desert and then I'm finding the box and already the whole th- think outside the box. Well, I thought so far outside the box I didn't know it existed. It's pretty crap. But there you go. That was my poem of the month uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Categorized by Scroobius Pip, July 24th, 2005 at 3:43 p.m. See you later. So there we go. I mean that in, you know, in retrospect might actually make you decide you definitely don't want to join my Patreon cuz what an average poem um but it's fun to go over these things and it's been really good fun a few of the ones i've got to so far on the recording front are ones that turned into songs or poems that were on my albums and stuff like that and there's going to be more of them the more the deeper we go i guess or the the further we go so yeah that's good fun um and i hope you enjoyed that now now i'm going to skim into this the distraction pieces rewind episodes i look over five previous podcasts and give you a bit of behind the scenes on this first one i give a bit of behind the scenes on how i started doing a podcast for example so yeah that's essentially what i I start at number one i'm working my way through five at a time um until we're up to date i guess and then i have to stop doing them but can i ever get up to date is it one of the things where it's always if i've started far enough in the past, then if I'm as long as I'm doing one a week, it should take like 10 years or something. I don't know, I'm not good at the maths thing, anyway. Th- this is the first ever slash scrubius pip distraction pieces re- rewind. Again, I introduce it in the thing, so why am I doing it here? Let's just go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the first ever. Uh, distraction pieces rewind just for my patreon gang hope you're all well i don't know how long these are going to be or what they're going to be like i'm not scripting them or planning them i'm just going into them and seeing what i can share basically i'm going to be talking about five episodes at a time starting at number one and working my way up and through so yeah, this is. there's not going to be any music or anything, I'm just recording into a mic and uploading straight for you guys, so no one else is hearing this, there's no production team or uploading or anything like that um, team. So the first five episodes were Russell Brand, Zane Lowe, Alan Moore, DJ Yoda and Sage Francis. But um, I guess before I talk about any of them, I should tell you a bit about how how the podcast kind of came about. So, before I started the podcast, I had a radio show on XFM called The Beatdown. Um, And I had my arm twisted into making that show. I think it was in between albums with Dan Lassac I started it. And then I'd record it on the road and send it off to my amazing producer, Dan Rido, when I was on tour and stuff like that. And The Beatdown was a hip-hop and spoken word show. Um, And we'd have guests on every now and then. Um, I had the the young fathers on. I had run the jewels on before they were both of them before they were kind of huge. I had childish Gambino on, um Kate Tempest, tons of good people, and they're 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 available on Mixcloud. I think still. I think there's a Mixcloud somewhere that has all the beatdown sh- shows. So hunt that down if you fancy that little tip. But um yeah, I kind of I fell in love with it unexpectedly, and it went kind of well I got nominated for some Sony awards which are like the big the big radio awards and at that point I think XFM hadn't won one for a a year or two um and the beatdown won two which was kind of crazy we got a gold and a silver in different um in different categories so that was great but it kind of felt that I don't know I was at that point I had for a long time um, being really into podcasts. So it kind of felt that I was not falling out of love with radio. I'd fallen in love with radio by doing radio, but it just felt that, you know, I I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I felt as I think my schedule was getting busy as well. And I felt I didn't, I would rather it's similar to my touring life a music career. I'd rather stop high at a peak or when it was still, the the quality was really high. I'd rather stop and quit while we're ahead than keep going. So I spoke to XFM. I think as well, I kind of, after the awards and that, I kind of said, is there any more budget? Because I was earning very little. Obviously, it's a show that was on at midnight, but it's commercial radio. It's a big a big place. It's part of Global. They're huge. So I kind of inquired if there was any more money in it because other things were taking my priority and to give the time I wanted to, I couldn't ju- justify giving the time I wanted to the radio show with, with, with the amount I was earning, if that makes sense. But there was never any big negotiations or arguments or walkouts. I spoke to Chris who'd brought me in. I said, look, I'm I'm going to take a bit of time off, but is there any, yeah, is there any money in the kitty? And he kind of asked, he ran it up the ladder and said, no, not really which was, which was fine. And I inquired at the time about, about podcasts. Cause it's what I was kind of into. I mean, in that kind of off period, I was in LA and I went on J- J- Joe Rogan's podcast, the Joe Rogan experience. And I can't, remember if it was on air or off air, he kind of said to me, so why do you do your show on someone else's platform? And I was like, well, you know, it's commercial radio. And he was like, but just do it for your, for yourself. And that obviously got me th- thinking. So I decided I wanted to do um, a podcast. And I wanted to record a load before I launched. Uh, uh, so the first four were all recorded before I released any. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had a Warren Borg at the time. Wargy of, of War and Peace fame. He was producing it for me. In that I'd send him the files and he'd piece it all together. Um, but I was going out on my own and recording it on my own. I'd been given advice on what kit to buy from Dan Lesac and I'd got my kit and um yeah I kind of I, I, I went out and started recording them and I'm not going to do them from it, from now on they're going to be in order but I'm not going to do these in order because they weren't recorded in order because the this s- second ever episode was with Zane Lowe that was the first episode ever recorded and I went up to Zane's house and Zane had always supported me and Dan Lassac and my solo stuff. He, He's the one that really pushed Intradiction on the day of release. I did an interview on Radio 1 on the day of release. And yeah, he's always been amazing and a dear f- friend. And he produced a song on the Distraction Pieces album. So he was top of my list of guests. And I also knew that, he, that some people had a bad impression of him that wasn't right. The dude's a legend. He's really into his music. And he's gone to prove that with all the stuff he's doing over... Um, at Beats and on iTunes and stuff like that, but so I went to Zane's and he was still at Radio 1, I think then, or maybe he'd just left, and he was looking at options. I think it was just before he left, but we kind of talked maybe off air that he was wondering what the the next step was, because a lot of people were being moved about at Radio 1, and we recorded in his living room, and we had a good good long chat. It was a really enjoyable one, I think he accused me of being a bit w- worthy, which I didn't like, but I took on the chin because some of my my lyrics are a bit p- preachy and that. But, um, you know, it was fine. But, yeah, I had an amazing chat. And, I, I you know, I spoke to Zayn about how he was one of the influencers on me doing a podcast because he did, on Radio 1, he did these long interviews, these hour-long interviews with people like Kanye and Jay-Z and all sorts of other people. And they were amazing. And they weren't these, again, you've got to bear in mind at this point, particularly in the UK, podcasts weren't a big thing. It was all going down the avenue of small, bite-sized interviews, a tiny little a few words on the news, um, on the radio, about, uh, about your new record or whatever. But all bite-sized and all kind of lively. And, Z- and Zayn was someone who had the power at the time to go, no, I want to dedicate an hour to an artist you know and really talk to them and, and get into it and not feel oh we need to p- to play another song now or do this now or anything like that so yeah it was a big influence but then the drive home from Zane's I drove um the drive home was my most uncomfortable a dri- uh, drive ever because I didn't know if it had recorded or not I'd not done one of these before and yeah it was fucking scary I think I took my laptop with me, and when I got to my car, I took the the memory card out and put it in my laptop, and it, sh- it, sh- it showed up as blank, and that scared the hell out of me, because Z- Z- Zane had just been kind enough to give me 90 minutes of his time in his house, n- no less, and now I'm driving home, and I'm thinking it's blank, and it was horrible, and I got home, and it was still blank. But then then when I put it in the mixing desk thing that I've got... So my recording setup, I won't bore you with this too much, but it's a little standalone kind of mixing desk that has its own... You put the memory card in it. I don't have to plug it into a computer or rely on anything else. It's just there. And when I put the memory card in, I could then see that the audio was there. But when I put the memory card in my my laptop, it wasn't there. So that was a bit scary. And I hit up... um, I hit up whoever whoever makes it, and they explained I needed to get a program to convert it. So this to this day, after I do a podcast, I plug my mixing desk into my computer through a cable that, and my my bloody USB ports struggle, so it disconnects all the time. But it takes around twenty minutes to half an hour to convert the files or to get the files off of. The, the mixing desk onto my laptop and then I send I send them to buddy and blah 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 but at that point I didn't know that so I found this out because I was in a panic I was like I was ringing them and saying how do I retrieve data because I can see it's on there but it's gone so is it a data retrieval thing I said in the end I figured it out it all worked I downloaded the right thing and we were off to the races but yeah I remember clearly that drive home being absolutely horrific Because of fear of the first person who'd given me their time. And I want to look like a professional, right? You don't want to be going, oh, by the way, that didn't work. Can we talk for another another hour? That's horrible. So, yeah, I fixed it. And then I went to... Who was next? I think I recorded Alan Moore next. So I went to chat to Alan Moore. And that was exciting because the way I lined it up. I got Alan's daughter to ask him. Or she was going to ask him but I think she forgot or something I can't remember what happened there because Alan's daughter, as I'll talk about in a future episode with Mark Miller um, has got a tattoo of some of my lyrics on her so yeah, I ended up getting Robin Ince to talk to Alan because he was t- talking to him that at the weekend or something because Alan hasn't got he doesn't do email, he's not got a smartphone, he's got a landline and that's it so Robin spoke to him and asked if it was okay f- for me to ring him and I'd done a couple of gigs uh, with Alan. I was, he knew I was a big fan of his. He'd kindly he'd signed um, a copy of The Watchman for me, which was amazing because that's my favourite comic, and he doesn't really sign them because of all the fallout. But, yeah, it meant the world. So he knew I was a fan, and he, I think, was a fan of what he'd seen of me. I know he knew his daughter was a fan of my lyrics, so I know that she'd played him a few things as well. So, yeah, I got the green light to ring him and I was told ring him at um, at 6 he will have just had his bath because on that particular night it was I think it was on a Sunday it was like he has a bath at this time and he's normally out by this time and I was so nervous it was like I'm old so a lot of you won't know this but in my day you used to have to to ring a girl if you wanted to ask a girl out and you had to ring her on a landline and you had to like potentially ask her dad if she's in and have a chat with her dad first and stuff like that. And it's one of the reasons I didn't really have any any girlfriends until well into my college years. So none through school years well into my college years. Because, number one, that's scary anyway. But number two, I've got a stutter, man. I don't want to be ringing someone and talking to their dad on the phone. That's terrifying. So, yeah, I had to ring Alan Moore. And the Alan Moore, the creator of The Watchmen... Um, and so many other amazing things. So I rung him. And we had a, a lovely chat. And he agreed to it. And we set a date. And he he gave me his address. And yeah, I drove down there. And and sat in Alan Moore's uh, living room. And before we started, he rolled the biggest joint I've ever seen in my life. And proceeded to smoke it throughout. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. I came away from that one just beaming all the drive home from that i'd calmed down i knew how to get things off the hard drive i was just beaming because i'm a i'm a big fan of alan moore and i knew that you know i kind of considered him a friend i knew he knew who i was and and vice versa but this was the first time we'd sat down for an extended amount of time and we really if you've not heard heard that episode have a listen because we connected on a lot of things and he opened my eyes to a lot of things he talks about how the reason he got into comic books was because they had no boundaries, and particularly at that point f- film TV anything else had boundaries. comic books you could the only limitation was your imagination and that was exciting and he does a big speech at the end about m- magic because he's a big believer in magic and he feels it's an important f- force in the world and that might sound like kind of of hippie mumbo jumbo, but it's amazing i'm one of the most g- skeptical guys going and i was sat there just wide-eyed and open mouth as he uh, professed the, the the wonders and powers of magic it was amazing and he did a spoken word piece which was really special um yeah he did is it old gangsters never die he did a spoken word piece that he used to perform he wrote in like the s- 70s i think and used to perform it and he hadn't performed it anywhere in years and he still had it in his in his memory and he kind of as he started performing it he rocked in his chair a little and it became a bit of a performance and he tapped his foot and again i'm sitting there you got to just think of me at that point this podcast isn't even a thing yet it's not out no one knows about it i've not told anyone again i wanted i felt if i was going to do this i needed to do it good and make it look professional so I wanted artwork. I wanted everything all sorted. So when I announced it, I was saying, "Here's the guests that are coming. Here's what it is. Bang." And yeah, I'm then I'm I'm sitting in Alamo's living room as he's performing a poem to just me, but performing it as if he's performing it to a stadium. It's amazing. So yeah, so that was really cool um, and really enjoy- enjoyable. I touched on the artwork there. The photo was done by. Uh, Elisa Lyden, who I've worked with a load of times over the years, she's done tons of my photography. Um, I think she's great. She's based in Colchester or Chelmsford in Colchester. Yeah, and we kind of came up with the idea. I kind I wanted it to be striking, and the the thing that I'm holding is a, a boom mic type thing. So I'm pointing a mic to my head, and then the name distraction piece is exploding out the side. I kind of had that 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 visual in mind and then then Mr Heggy drew it far better than I could have imagined i was thinking all kind of jagged like a lot of russian uh like 80s or earlier actually a russian art um but he did it amazingly and yeah it, it looks great so that's how that came about um and then the next i recorded i think no the next i recorded was a dj a yoda and that was exciting because I recorded that b- b- back at XFM. So if you had any doubt that when I just said that there was no b- bad blood or issues, they were lovely. C- Chris in particular and Dan Rido s- said, look, we're parting ways, but you've been great. We love you. If you ever want to use our studios, if we've got an empty one at the time, then you can s- slip in and record. And the first I w- time I used that... W- I was for dj Yoda and he came in and we had a good old chat I love Yoda he's someone I've worked with previously he's someone that feels like despite the fact I went to see him play when I was growing up he's someone that feels like my mates while I was growing up if that makes sense it's it's a weird one but I love him dearly and after we recorded it he took me to not patty and bun um uh, no that was I was gonna get that wrong there there's a place buns is in the title because patty and bun is a burger place near liverpool street there's a place near it's in in covent garden off seven dials and i can't remember what it's cold but it was, it's was really good he took me there he was the first person to take me there and you go in and it's I think it's a japanese place and they have these steamed buns and just tons of amazingly cooked meat, essentially, and this the most amazing broccoli as well. And you order all this this stuff, and you kind of build your own buns as you uh, as you go. What's it called? Flesh and buns. There you go. There's there's probably some people listening who were like screaming that into their uh, computer or headphone or however you you're listening. Flesh and buns. So he took me there for food, and it kind of became a rule that any time. That me and Yoda had any work to do or any reason to meet up, we had to go for food because he's a foodie. He knows his stuff. He knows the good places. And we went there, and 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 you know what? I enjoyed the podcast, but the podcast was was work. It was talking about hip hop and all the stuff I loved about his career. The meal, the meal we had afterwards was talking about life, and that sounds so st- stupid and dramatic, but yeah, I felt I got to know yoda in a different way then that might have influenced a future podcast you know the conversation that we had after rather than the one that we had there which was kind of music that this and that you'll see quite quickly a lot of the podcasts as we go on to future episodes of this distraction pieces rewind you'll see that they often become less about career and more about just life it varies depending on who the person is and how well i know them things like that how open they want to be um but yeah that's kind of, yeah. Just thinking about it, it now, I think potentially that conversation afterwards was an eye opener because it, yeah, we sat down and we, and we, we we chatted. I guess it's because we'd already had the industry conversation that we would normally have if, if we met up. We'd meet up and we'd talk about the gigs he'd done and the stuff and all that kind of, thing and what he was working on and who he'd what crazy rap act he'd met and would and we'd be all excited. And this was just, no, it's like, we've done that. So now let's just talk, how's life? How's the family? How's the kids? And yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. So, next up, recording-wise, was the episode that became the first episode, which was a Russell brand. So I recorded the, the Russell episode last of the four that I recorded before I launched. So when I launched, I went... A Russell Zane Alan Moore DJ Yoda, and they're the, f- the four that I announced ahead of a uh, launch. It was October fifteenth was Russell Brand. October twenty second was Zane Lowe. October twenty ninth was Alan Moore, and October fifth was uh, DJ uh, Yoda. So I I went and and recorded with Russell, and Russell was someone that it was it was weird. I was in I was in L A about a year before this or a a little while before this at least and I was hanging out with... I was staying with my mate Kelly and I I went on a night out with Paloma Faith because I fucking adore Paloma. I love the girl. I've known her for years and I was in LA and she was in LA and I was like, look, I'm about what's going on and she she was like, I'm going to this weird private party thing. I know the private party was the next day. The night... This was the first night. I hung out with her the next night as well, I think. Or maybe it was after, I can't remember. But she was saying, I'm going to see a Russell Brand doing a work in progress a stand-up show. And do you want to come along? So me and Paloma went to that. And it was great. It was hilarious. It was a real work in progress. It was real start on some ideas, ask the audience some questions, see where it goes. And when we left, she tweeted R- R- Russell, I think, saying Oi Russell, I'm here are you about, Or well, me and Scroobius are here, do you want to come and hang out? And Russell tweeted her saying I want to meet Scroobius Pip, I've never met him before which was hilarious to us because P- Paloma, I assume knows Russell better and it felt quite rude to- that he wanted to hang out with me because she- she's far more famous and successful. But you know, I'm a Stamford boy. He's a Grays boy. We've both got that Essex thing. He's, he's from a few, a few miles up the road. And I don't think we got to hang out that night from memory, but you know, it meant that we exchanged some emails back and forth. At one point, while I was out there, I was going to go to do yoga with Russell one morning. Um, I think I blew th- that out, and we missed each other on that trip. But um, a little while later, I went to see him. Like, we kept in touch, and I went to see him at the Soho Theatre. No, yeah, the Soho Theatre, not the Leicester Square Theatre. So, yeah, I went to see him there, and he was amazing, far better. It was a finished show of the work in progress I'd seen. I went again with my mate Kelly Marcel, who I'd stayed with in L.A., weirdly. She was back in the country, so I was returning the hangout for favours and revelling in, in catching up with one of my favourite people and a future podcast guest so yeah we went and saw Russell and then he came out afterwards and came to say hello and the first time we met he stood really close to my face and was really intense in a friendly way but spoke really fast and told me how beautiful my eyes were which was lovely but again it I don't know if it was a it felt like you know when or if you've grown up in Essex Sometimes your mates will try and and forgive the term. Try and gay each other out. Like as straight people, you'll but comfortable with all sexualities. You'll try and make your mate uncomfortable by being a bit too huggy, a bit too, you know, see where they stop. I've never lost that game because I'm I'm dead comfortable. I love like like my mate Andy gives the best cuddles in the world, Um, and I ain't had one in ages and me and my mate Tom and Stu, we can really dance sexy together. Like I can grind on Tom like no one else. Um, So yeah, it felt, I wondered a a little bit as if it was a kind of a test because he was being really close up and really intense and really, as said, just complimentary. But I'm really, I'm comfortable with these things. I'm all right. And I was just like, all right, cool. That was a great show. I'm a a big fan. Blah, 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 Essex, all back and forth. And weirdly, as as a detour here, after that, Me and Kelly were standing outside, or maybe in an interval or something, because I think Kelly was smoking at that point. And we were standing outside, and I nudged her and go, oh, my God, Stephen Graham's coming up the street, because I'm a big fan of Stephen Graham. And he's coming up, and I I try not to stare at him, and he walks past. And then he looks around and comes back and comes up to me and goes, mate, I just want to say, I saw you on Soccer AM, um, and me and my wife got your record and, and we love it. It's a nice one. And I then blurted just, I love doing This Is England. I love this the the final speech um, that, that at the end of the series that Al Capone does in Bordel Kempire, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, yeah, that's the first time I met Stevie. And he then has obviously gone on to be a dear friend, a double podcast appearer. But, yeah, anyway, that's a detour. So I go around Russell's and... As you'll see from the Polaroid, he comes and greets me in a towel. I kind of chill for a bit. I, I set up. He had an assistant or someone was kind of was helping out. Because I was also... That's right. I was going on the Trues as well that day. So he was doing my podcast and then we were doing the Trues. Or, or maybe we did the Trues first. So he had some people there to kind of... He was getting ready and they let me in. And then he came down and did the whole podcast in a towel. In, it, If you look at the Polaroid, he's got the towel over his, his head and looks... jesus-like or mary-like um and we had a good old chat and it was was lovely and it's really it's really pleasing to look back on because at that point i talked to him a bit about mma and brazilian jiu-jitsu and i can't remember if it's on the podcast or not but specifically joe rogan and in the years that have passed he's been on joe rogan's several times he'd said that he was intimidated and felt it was all too macho but then i told him it was amazing so he's gone on Joe Rogan a couple of times. He started to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and it's not because of my influence, but I love that we had those conversations before they were things that he got into. Cause I felt that they were things he would enjoy. And he's been one of the best guests on, on the Joe Rogan experience ever. So yeah, I stand by that. So yeah, that was, it was really nice. Um, I think I've said a few times for about 20 minutes, he was in full Russell mode and he had a new book out and would like read from his book and stuff like that. But that's the one I give as an example all the time of the beauty of podcasting, because you can't maintain that. So after a certain amount of time, he, he let his guard down and he relaxed. And it also is an example of the fact that I've started doing podcasts because I believe in the the format of long form interviews. And there's numerous bits in that podcast that I could have released as sound bites and sent places or whatever. I got a lot of hype, but I didn't, because I don't believe in the taking things out of context. But but one of the examples of this was um, in months and months later, uh, Russell backtracked on what he'd, he'd said about don't vote. He'd, he'd previously talked about not voting. That was before the podcast. And then he backtracked. And supposedly, I remember it was in The, the Sun or someone's was in, up in arms going, R- Russell Brand backtracks on not voting, but... Too late because it's after the registering to vote and all this kind of thing. And I read that and I was like, nah. He said that on my podcast. He said on the podcast he admitted his mistakes. It's what I love about Russell. You can love or hate him, but he he he's always trying to learn and improve. And he will be so passionate about his, his beliefs. But if he finds out they're wrong or learns otherwise, he'll he'll sw- he'll switch things up. And that was the case there. He kind of said he, on the podcast, he's like, yeah, you know what. I think I had a strong belief but I hadn't fully researched it and gone through the options and on the podcast we talk about different options of democracy and yeah it's fascinating and he he said he says on there yeah I was kind of over I was being reactionary that I was being poked and I was poking back and yeah it turned into a big thing but yeah that was he said that in the podcast so all the kind of news stories of him him backtracking after it was too late to register no he'd backtracked Before you just weren't listening, as yeah, that was a great one, and I love Russell dearly. Um, yeah, he's the best. Uh, he then went on, he he later went on to have B. Dolan on on the trues. I hooked, I put them together and hooked that up, and it was amazing. But speaking of B. Dolan, I met B. Dolan through a certain man called Sage Francis, who was episode number five. And Sage has become one of the most requested guests, even though he was the fifth guest. Um, I have that a lot that'll come up in a few different early ones as Sarah Pascoe's another early one that I get requests all the time and I'm like I've had them on you just need to go back into the back catalogue and I've had Sage back recently but yeah anyway so Sage was on the top of my list because cause Sage is one of my biggest influences as a musician as a writer as a human I think he's an am- amazing man I'm, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend now and this was, at that point, he was, so this was 2014. Sage was touring C- Copper Gone. And I had had the amazing opportunity to release the Copper Gone album on Speech Development Records. And because of that, as soon as he was over touring, I said, look, I'm coming on the tour and running a merch stall. That's what I'm there to do. I jumped up a few times and rapped uh, with one of my idols, of course, I did. We've we've got songs together, and I think he's amazing. I wrote a special verse to go with one of his songs. So yeah, but um, on this particular night, we were in Cardiff, and we were staying at the weirdest little hotel slash B and B. All the hotels, I think, his guy had booked, or the tour manager, not the tour manager, the booking agent, I think, had booked, and I think that agreed to pay for my hotel. And I said, I'll run the merch, I'll drive everywhere, I'll do all of this. So um, I think that was the case anyway. I might have. I think I might have booked a few of my own hotels separately. But in this instance anyway, we were staying in the same hotel. But it was barely a hotel. And this, this woman who ran it was really odd. It was like, you're not allowed in after 10 or something. It's like, well, we've got a gig. We're going to be in after 10. And it was all, we had to argue all sorts of stuff. But on all these things, I don't like to put pressure on people i know how it is on tour and how you might want to just crash out afterwards but sure enough sage decided he was up for doing a podcast i think it was after the gig it was it was saying the episode it might have been before the gig i think it was after the gig but we recorded it in my hotel room and that in my hotel room was just a bed so i think i might have had a chair actually but Sage was, was definitely laying on the bed and I was on a chair which weirdly is recreated when um, at the end of last year I had Sage Francis and B. Dolan on I went and caught them on tour in Cardiff and we sat in a hotel room I think Sage had a seat and Dolan was on the bed that time and we, yeah it was a weird a, a recreation but again this was an amazing one because I've learned a lot from Sage from a distance and then personally so to get to chat to him in the podcast about a lot of it was it was amazing because as said he's someone that i went to see sage oh 2002 maybe um at plastic people where he was standing on top of a chair there was no stage he stand on a chair with a microphone and doing this gig and he absolutely smashed it he, he stole the show it was amazing and yeah, I'd i I'd, I'd gone to see him in New York. I'd, I'd watched him for a long time. And so he, he felt like a key person I had to have on early. And I kind of regret having him on early, early, because he also deserves a bigger platform. So him being one of the early people, it means he's someone that people now go, oh, you should have Sage on. It's like, yeah, I've had him on. You've just not listened. But yeah, it was a fantastic chat. It was... It's weird because, again, the way these podcasts work is they they make you have conversations that you, you, you maybe wouldn't have normally had. So uh, that was 100% the case here. We kind of talked about stuff we'd not talked about before. He got to school me some more and educate me on the industry. And I got to go, look, I'm a podcast guy as well now. At that point, he was a podcast guy as well. At that point, I was still... Touring, right? I think it was just before mine and Dan's last. No, it was after our last album had come out. So that was the last tour I think I performed on. No, the Speech Development tour was straight after that. That's right, and we'll get to that um potentially in the next one. Is B Dolan in, in the next one? Yes, he is. In the next episode, I, I, we'll get to that. So at this point, I'd done my last ever gig, and me and Dan Lasak at bestival in front of ten thousand people, all singing along. It was amazing, and I had tentatively hung up my my gloves my microphone my trucker cap but on this sage tour i jumped up and did some stuff in a sage's set and then straight after the sage tour the sage tour was in october ended in november the, the speech development tour was i think november into december and the speech development tour was b dolan headlining war and peace supporting and me djing um in between sets, occasionally doing a bit of spoken word to, to start things off, introducing each act, jumping up with Warren. No, I didn't jump up with Warren Peace, I don't think. I jumped up with Dolan. But yeah, that's how that's how that tour worked, and that's how these all all, all link together. So I'll leave it there for now. And in next month's episode, we're going to be going over Simon Singh, who I think is one of the most underrated guests I've had on, or or overlooked guests. Uh Warren Ellis, who is an absolute idol of mine, and J- Jodian Bickley, which was a hugely emotional one, B. Dolan, and open Mike Eagle, who also gets a lot of requests because he was in the early few, so yeah, I talked to you all about them. Two of them were recorded at x f m just just so you know, and three were recorded elsewhere. I don't know where the where did I record the Warren Ellis one? I think that might have been XFM as well, you know. I think it was. Well, this is a fascinating end to the conversation, isn't it? There we go. That's been the first ever Distraction Pieces Rewind. I hope you've enjoyed it. As you will know, we're doing Poem of the Month on the first Monday. Distraction Pieces Rewind on the third Monday of every month. Hopefully it's worth your $1. I don't know. I plan to do these until the very end of the collection, but... um who knows oh god the the one after this or the one not next week's next month's one will be great but a month after that we've got simon peg killer mike full org, josie long and stuart lee how good's that gonna be and then the one after that is riz Ahmed kate tempest rufus hound nick frost and mike skinner god i've had some good guests And the one after that, I've had the one that I think was the worst guest I've had. So we will get to that later. Um, Thank you for tuning in. And thank you for being a Patreon. As I said, I started... Originally, I started the Patreon. I wasn't going to give anything. (laughs) It was just support if you want to. But I've really enjoyed you guys. So um, that's why I started doing these. Um, Hope you enjoy them as a little bonus. If you want to spread the word, that would be cool. Because the more the the merrier, you know whilst I like that it's a little um closed group equally last month I released the drunk cast hangover the drunk cast itself each episode had twenty to thirty thousand listens. Imagine if all twenty to thirty thousand of them subscribed at a dollar a month that'd be twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month. And it'd all go into the business and producing stuff and things like that, but ah, it'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? And it's only a dollar a month to any individual. That's the bit that makes it exciting and and fun, you know. I'm not asking for anyone to pay anything extortionate. But you can pay more. If you joined at a dollar a month and you decided that these distraction pieces, rewind podcasts and the poem a month, mean it's worth more than a dollar a month to you, and you can afford it, that's the key bit, it's within your means, if that's the case, then go on, man, go in. Go up to $2 a month, go up to $3 a month, go up to however many dollars a month you feel is is fair, but no pressure, and don't reach outside of your financial means, because that is a dumb move. This has been the Distraction Pieces Rewind. Ta-ta. You've been listening to Scrooge bits discretionary pieces. So there we go. I just, I wanted to give you those bits for free. And if you like them, then you can have them for, you know, a dollar a month. Um, if you see there's, there's value in that. I, I really enjoyed doing them. And the people over there seem to enjoy our listening to them. So, yeah, hopefully... That will make you think. Hopefully, I'm going to. I wake up t- today and look on Patreon and go, "Wow, there's hundreds of new of new Patreons." Um, but I might not. But it's you know, the reason I, s- I set it up, as said, is to to have an extra way to fund things. So if I've got a guest that I need to travel to and stay in a hotel, or if I've got a guest that I need to put up in a hotel. I will be able to do that and not have to think twice about it and check my bank and see if it's a viable cost. Um, equally, if I need to book some studio time somewhere, all these kind of things. So, yeah, it's good fun. Head over to patreon.com slash scroobiuspip. Or just go to Patreon. And I'm sure you can just search for Scroobies Pip and it will come up. I will see you all next week. Who have I got next week? I'll tell you guys. I, did, I forgot to tell them on wednesday oh my god next week is the one that has now had the biggest uh, reaction uh, when i do my patreon uh preview it's ron perlman yeah i know that's exciting isn't it um yeah so that will be next week that is something to very much look forward to i will see you all then ta-ta